Hello, and welcome to Where RA Now, a podcast dedicated to catching up with former RAs and hearing where their journey of life has taken them since their glory days at NYU. I'm tonight's co-host, Kayla Krauser, a senior from Mendham, New Jersey, studying applied psychology and neuroscience and a minor in business studies and an RA at Alumni Hall. And my name is Tom Ellett. I serve as the Senior Associate Vice President of Student Affairs and the co-host with Kayla tonight. Kayla, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm glad to have you. Third year RA. Yeah, it's been a long time. <laughs> and I think you set the record for the number of places that you have been an RA? Yeah, I think I'm the only person to do a broad fire and true. That's amazing. Yeah. A favorite among them? I don't know. They're all kind of different. I think it depends a lot on the dynamic of the team you're with and the residents you're close with. But they all really have benefits and drawbacks, but they're all kind of similar in a lot of ways. So it's really been great being able to experience all of them. So what's the next step for you upon graduation? Well, right now I'm looking for a job. So if you're out there, uh, Kayla's ready. (laughs) Yeah, if you're out there, I am ready to be hired. Um, Yeah, so I'm trying to do um, pharmaceutical consulting, so the business side of uh, pharmaceuticals and biotech. And when I was in London, I really fell in love with the city and I met someone there. So it's been long distance for two years and I'm hoping to be able to move there within the next year. That's great. And you were a great leader this year. Besides being an RA, you were on RA council. Yeah, that's right. It was kind of a bucket list thing for me. So I'm a fifth year undergrad, so it was kind of, I didn't know I was going to get this last year, and it was my opportunity to take advantage of everything I possibly could. So I said I really wanted to do RA Council, and I did it. Tell us the uh, big thing that you did with RA Council, though you did a bunch of things. Yeah, I. Um, so my big job was planning RA Soiree. It's the big RA Council event for paraprofessionals, so RAs and RCAs. Um, and it's kind of different every year, um, but I had gone last year and had really loved it. And I didn't necessarily know this was gonna be my job when I applied for the role I did in RA Council and what it would entail, but it was a lot of work, but I think I was really proud of how it came out and the decisions we made to change it and I think make it better for future groups. And cooking, baking at uh, two in the morning or so for vegan uh, cupcakes. Yeah, so my, my brother has an allergy to eggs and um, I always watched him like not be able to participate in things. Um, so. It was really important for me to make sure it was inclusive to everyone that I possibly could. So I'm kind of famous in Res Life for these gluten-free vegan cupcakes. Um, So I said, okay, I'll make them for people that have dietary restrictions. So I stayed up almost all night the night before baking 70 cupcakes. Wow, that's incredible. And so it's interesting you, we, we talk about this because tonight's guest actually deals with some stomach issues for their patients. Yeah, no, I'm interested to hear her feedback on, you know, there's a lot of debate in the medical world about celiac and gluten intolerance and, you know, the relationship with diet and children, children's illnesses like autism and attention deficit disorder. So I'm sure she'll have a lot of interesting things Mm -hmm. to say about that. Who is tonight's guest? Tonight, our guest is Bridget Godwin, who served as an RA in Weinstein Hall for Ryan Sylvester and Angie Bonilla during the 2003 to 2005 academic years. Welcome, Bridget, and thank you for joining us on today's show. It's a real pleasure having you on. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be on the podcast. I love the podcast, and I've been listening to it, and I'm thrilled to be a guest. How are you, and where are you now? I am doing well. I am 
in my house outside of Philadelphia. Bridget, it's great to hear your voice. Uh, a real spark plug of energy here in Weinstein in your day. Tell us a little bit about what you've done since you graduated from NYU. So after I graduated from NYU, I moved back home for the summer and I was a waitress at a breakfast restaurant where I had been waitressing throughout college during the summers. And basically my one goal was to get back to New York as soon as I could and to get a job there. Um, And I wanted to live with my amazing friends who were also RAs and I'll shout them out, Leah Gustav and Jenny Pierce. We were trying to get back to New York and live together, and I just basically applied for any jobs that I could, and the first job that I got was actually back at NYU, working at NYU Med, just as a research coordinator, a very administrative job. And in that job, I ended up thinking that I would like to go to medical school, so I ended up doing a post-bac program at Bryn Mawr College, and from there, I went to Brown Medical School. Um, From there, I came back to New York again. I did my residency in pediatrics at Cornell in Manhattan. And then I came back to Philly to do some more training at the Children's Hospital in Philadelphia in pediatric GI, hepatology and nutrition. And I still work there now. I finished all of my training. I'm finished with fellowship. And now now I'm an attending assistant professor at CHOP. Congratulations. Thank you. Outstanding. What did you study in undergrad? It sounds like you kind of took a a different path to be a doctor than a lot of my friends are currently on right now. Yes, I was not pre-med. I was an English major. Um, I had minors in math and psychology, and I took a lot of dance classes and comparative literature classes and just kind of really wanted to soak it all in and do all the things that I was interested in. Um, I did take one chemistry class and... um, Outside of the class, when we were waiting to go in, I heard someone say that they were a post-bac student. I asked them what it was, and they told me that if you decided later you wanted to go to medical school, you could take these classes. And at that point, I basically decided I wasn't going to do it right then because I wasn't sure. And there were so many opportunities to just learn about different things. I couldn't imagine what if I had been pre-med and then in the end changed my mind. So I put off the decision for a few years and took some other classes and it it was amazing. I loved it. Let's talk about some of the other things you did as an undergraduate. How about extracurricular activities? Were you involved in clubs and organizations? So the first club that I joined when I got to NYU was a peer mentoring theater group. I had initially applied to NYU. Actually, I applied to Tisch for theater and was rejected. (laughs) Um, Ended up reapplying to CAS, but I loved theater and I loved acting. So the first thing I did was peer mentoring theater group. And that was really cool. Such a great way to meet people. And it was sort of, I think, a bit of an introduction to the RA role. The other awesome thing that I got to do when I was there was volunteer at Housing Works Bookstore. And I got to just be amongst the books and work the cash register. And it was it's completely run by volunteers. So you don't get paid, but it feels like a regular job. And you get to just Mm -hmm. meet the other people working there, meet the people coming in. And that was really amazing experience. I also volunteered at some um, a company, it was called the Small Press Company, and it was uptown, and it was a really, really teeny tiny company, only like two or three people worked there, that basically supported small independent publishers, helped give them press, helped advertise them, and I volunteered with them for a while, too. 
It sounds like you had a really diverse experience, whether it be from the arts to science to volunteer work. Um, was Did you always know you wanted to be an RA or did one of those experiences inspire you to go down that path? I did not really know that much about it, but I think I sort of started to consider it when I was a freshman and I had my own RA who was great. Um, and then when friends of mine started signing up for the RA Institute, I got interested. I think I got interested in the fact that there was a process involved in the selection where you would meet other people and also learn about leadership. Like, I think I was kind of just, I was interested in the process and that was actually the thing that hooked me in. And then once I was doing it, I just got really, really excited about it and could tell it was going to be the thing that changed college for me in a really positive way. What was it like in Weinstein to be an RA on the team? It was amazing. <laughs> it was just one of the greatest things that I ever got to be a part of. Um, just so much energy, so much laughter, so much fun, so much collaboration, so much love. Um, like I looked forward to going to staff meeting every week. I just, it was my favorite part of the week. Just like being in that room mm -hmm. with that group of people both years was just an incredible experience. And, you know, we had the opportunity to have co-RAs and that experience of just being on this team of two leading a group of freshmen was just, it was wonderful. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I'm looking at Kayla now and I can see her as she's coming to the end of a three-year term. It can be really sad, you know, when you're thinking about this change in life and, and the great friends you have surrounding you. I mean, we've talked a lot, yeah. a lot about that. Yeah, definitely. definitely. I think I think I... I, like a lot of students, a lot of my residents say, had really struggled to find community at different points. But mm -hmm. I think it wasn't until I came into the RA role that I really found a group of people that I really fit with and really connected with. And it made NYU feel like a smaller place and a place where I could excel and people cared about how I did. And I definitely agree with you that it it really taught me how to be a yeah. leader in different types of leadership and made me more confident about um, my ability to take on leadership roles and what I can learn to do, what I'm able to do. And it made me really happy to hear when you said you and your best friends from being an RA wanted to move together in New York. I, I currently, um, I actually ha was in two buildings this year, but I came back to alumni and I wasn't expecting it, but I ended up meeting like four of the best friends I've had during my time at NYU. And I feel so grateful that I get to end my RA experience with them. That's great. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about the floor community, Bridget, and how you yeah. and your it's co amazing. welcomed people and made them feel a part of this it can be lonely and isolated place in New York City. Certainly not our residence halls aren't isolated and lonely, but they can walk into that with that feeling. Yeah. I mean, I think the open door policy that I've heard some other people mention on the podcast was a really big thing. Um, mm -hmm. In Weinstein, we all pretty much kept our doors open. And I think that that just said straight off the bat, like, we are here for you. And you can just come in here and talk to us. And that, I think, was one thing that really helped them and made them comfortable. Um, it's funny, the two different years, I feel like my residents were really different. And the first year that I was in RA, the thing that my residents did that I always remember, they all sat in the hallway. Hmm. 
all the time. Like the hallway was basically like the meeting place and you get off the elevator and everyone would just be sitting and hanging out in the hallway and everyone was kind of together all the time. It was a really kind of rowdy bunch. Um, I always remember they dressed up for Halloween as me and my core <laughs> um, wearing like a Penn State sweatshirt, which I'm wearing right now. Like it. it was just perfect. They were so good at it. Um, and so they were really an outgoing group. And then my second year, I felt like the group was just really different. They were kind of a quieter bunch and they were more into the one-on-one kind of relationships and meetings. And they were, you know, friends with each other, um, but kind of in more paired ways, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, but all of them would come to us. And I think the the way that the Weinstein culture was, was just that the RAs would welcome people in at any time. And I saw my colleagues doing that and that made me want to do that. And I think that really welcomed them in. Do you have any particularly uh, rewarding experiences that you had with certain residents that even to this day stand out and really inspired you or changed you in a particular way? There are a number of kind of situations I think back on. One was a really basic disagreement between two roommates about, you know, something that wasn't a big deal in their room. But I remember kind of having a conflict resolution type meeting with them and talking it through and just thinking like, at the time, thinking to myself, this is a really valuable thing that I'm learning. Like, figuring out how to help these two people talk to each other over something that they're both feeling really vulnerable and passionate about, no matter how small it is, like they're in that place. And I'm learning from this experience how to help them get through that together. So that stands out in my mind a lot. And then there were a few situations where residents were going through some really, really tough things. Um, I can think of probably two or three different circumstances. And I really felt lucky to be in the role of being their support system in that moment. And it was a privilege to be able to talk them through it and sit with them in their room and have them come to my room and work it out with them. Um, So I think those are the moments that I remember the most. Do you think that those experiences helped as you transitioned into a medical role, especially with children, where I'm sure there's a lot of interactions with parents and times when you maybe know that something, but you have to really work with parents where they are or kids where they are in a particular circumstance? Definitely. Definitely those skills, you know, translate to what I do now. Mm. And I also work with a lot of teenagers now. Um, because pediatrics I see up to like 21. And so I have a lot of pediatric teenage patients. um, And I think a lot about how that experience working with the freshmen helped prepare me for this. You talked earlier about this uh, English major and then kind of doing some other things and then getting into the medical field. What was the turning point for you? Do you remember when all of a sudden the light bulb went on and said, this is really my passion. This is what I I am being called to do. Yeah, there were a few steps along the way. Definitely being an RA was part of that because I was thinking, okay, I'm really enjoying meeting with people and talking about their problems and trying to work, do some problem solving with them. And then actually the the waitressing, which sounds 
funny when I tell people this, but I loved how when I was waitressing, I was busy. I was running around. I was interacting with people all day and the day just flew by. Um, And so by the end of that summer, when I ended up getting the job at NYU Med, I sort of was thinking to myself, well, it seems like doctors kind of run around a lot and talk to people all day. And that sounds really basic, but it seemed to fit a scenario where I was comfortable and happy. And then as I was thinking more about it, I was definitely considering psychology, definitely considering um, other helping professions. I applied to speech pathology school. I was looking at bachelor's to bachelor's of nursing programs. I was actually going to do a master's of counseling a pen that I was accepted to. So I was really kind of (laughs) all over the place. And then I think it was just being at NYU Med and seeing the people around me who were doing research, also seeing patients, and then having these meetings where they would just kind of come up with questions they wanted to ask um, and realizing that as a doctor, you're kind of also a student forever. And there's always things to learn, classes to take, more to do in terms of research and academics. And when I realized that I could have sort of that clinical role where I'm with people and I'm talking to people and the day is flying by and also kind of stay in the academic world potentially forever, then I kind of put it all together. But it it was quite a process. (laughs) I really kind of connected with when you said that you took some time off over the summer and you went home and did this waitressing job. I think something I hear a lot from senior residents, from friends, even like my own feelings as a senior that's graduating, there's a lot of pressure to like have a job lined up for right after graduation and have kind of everything figured out immediately so you can transfer into that immediately after school and there's kind of a seamless transition there. But it seems like from what you said that that time that you took off doing this waitressing job was really what you know, help solidify your decision to go into the medical field. So maybe you could talk a little bit more about, I guess, the benefit of that. Yes. This is something my friends and I talk about all the time because many of us had no idea what we were doing when we graduated and we felt excited, but we felt a little bit lost. We had in common that we wanted to get back to New York and we wanted a job that was, you know, could lead us somewhere. And we joke a lot about how these first jobs that we were almost just saying yes to out of desperation, like, sure, I'll take it. I can't wait to get back to New York. For most of us, many of us, this job ended up leading to what is now our career. So I think that this idea of knowing as soon as you graduate, I think for some people that is absolutely the way to go. But for many people, it just doesn't work like that. But if you're open to thinking about one thing you do want or one goal that you do have, focusing on that, the other pieces might just fall into place for you and kind of lead you where you need to go. And I think being open to that really just allows for all the possibilities. Great advice because pressure is mounting so much on our college students today because of debt, because of pressures that they put on themselves, but also from the external kind of forces of family and friends. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Uh, so uh, great advice. Yeah. Maybe you could talk a little bit about the process to get into uh, medical school. 
Did sure. you uh, take the MCATs and and all of that preparation? So I am really lucky the way that it worked out for me because I did this program at Bryn Mawr College, Bryn Mawr College Postback Program. And through that program, you can do something that's called a linkage. It's almost like early decision to a medical school. So they have relationships with certain medical schools. And if you decide early enough where you want to go, you can apply there and go straight from your post back to medical school instead of taking a year off, which is what most people do. And you just have to maintain a certain GPA by the end of the year and you get to keep your spot. And I, Bryn Mawr Postback is a co-ed program, and I actually met my now husband there. Congratulations. Thank you. And he was really interested in Brown Medical School, which was not on my radar at all. I wanted to go to SUNY Downstate and move back into my Brooklyn apartment with my friends. Um, But he really was interested in Brown, and there was a linkage program. And I, I checked it out. I went up to Providence, and I liked it. Um, And we applied kind of as a couple. We wrote a letter saying we were dating Um, and we got in. And with Brown, if you linked, you didn't have to take the MCAT. So we were really lucky. So I only applied to one medical school and and I didn't have to take the MCAT. So I was really privileged um, and I feel really lucky. I've seen a lot of people go through the process that, you know, they're applying to a lot of schools and, and the MCAT is grueling. So I'm afraid I'm not so great at speaking to that. Um, and I really admire all the people that do go through it. But you're also giving another pathway for people who may not have thought there was another pathway. So I appreciate you sharing that piece. Oh, good. Yeah. What advice would you have for students who want to be a physician especially because there's so much pressure to have, you know, perfect undergrad GPAs going into the medical field now, but it seems like there might be more paths than just that based on your experience. Definitely. I think finding the right program is a big thing. I think there are a lot of medical schools out there that have that are really open-minded. Brown is definitely one of them. They're looking for different students. They're kind of interested in people with a diverse background and I think once you kind of find your fit, then you're on your way. And the other thing that I would tell people is it's a really, it's a long journey. So it was, for me, it was 11 years. It took 11 years to quote unquote, become a doctor, but it's about the journey, not the destination. And I think that's a really important thing to remember as you're going through it. You're not just kind of closing Mm -hmm. your eyes and holding on until it's over 11 years later. You're, this is your life. And every part of it is your life and it has to be good and you kind of have to enjoy it and live it for what it is at that moment, you know, knowing that you have a goal in sight. But I think it's just really important to remember you're learning through the whole thing, you're experiencing your life outside of work through the whole thing, you're growing through the whole thing and just remembering it's not just kind of grin and bear it until it's over. It's about the journey too. Bridget, what made you choose the specialty and the population that you're working with? So I was not initially considering pediatrics. I loved OBGYN, and I still think I I would have really loved that. But for me, um, my first day of my pediatrics rotation, I walked into Hasbro Children's Hospital in Providence, and the pediatric residents, I'll never forget, they turned to the door, they smiled at me, they asked me my name, they asked me what team I was on. They were the friendliest people. And 
like as a medical student, you're kind of like used to being an invisible person. <laughs> it's hard as a medical student. And then I got to this world of pediatrics and everyone was smiling and wearing bright colors. And it was just, this is a whole different world. And I, just, I fell in love with it immediately. And I was like, oh, this is my place. This is where I'm supposed to be. So I just immediately connected with the people. And then I ended up loving the rotation. I loved that I would go into one room and there was a baby and I would go into the next room and there was a five-year-old. I'd go into the next room and there was an 18-year-old. And just the diversity of the patients, the different problems and health issues we were dealing with, I just, I, I really fell in love with it really fast. And then as a medical student, I had the chance to actually go to CHOP and do a rotation, and I ended up doing it in GI, and again, really fell in love with the people there. In my residency, I, this kind of got stronger for me as I was taking care of GI patients, really finding interest in what was going on with them. And the other thing about GI is that we talk about food a lot. And I have always been really interested in food. So I was really interested in the idea that as a GI doctor, I could possibly learn more about food and how it interacts with our health and how we could potentially treat different ailments with food and changing what we eat. So all of that got really, really came together for me. And I applied to come back to CHOP where I, with all those people I did the rotation with as a medical student, they were so welcoming, so nice. I was really lucky I got to, got to go there. Um, so it was kind of different pieces of the puzzle all coming together, but I'm really happy with, with what I chose in the end. And it's a very stressful decision every step of the way. You're like, what am I going to do my residency in? And am I going to do a fellowship? And every decision is is grueling and stressful. And you, want, you wonder if you're making the right one. But now I feel really happy with what I chose. That's great to hear. You spoke a little bit about what you do and something that you really were surprised and liked about GI was the relationship with food. So I I don't know much about GI, but I know we speak a lot about the connection between the gut and pretty much the whole body, but especially the brain in my neuroscience classes. So what was something surprising that you learned through this that you maybe didn't know? And what are like new and exciting things that are happening that you think other people might find cool? There's so much. I mean, right now I, I work a lot with a population of kids that have an, a food allergy that's called eosinophilic esophagitis, which is a food allergy in the esophagus. And working with them has been really interesting in just learning more about allergy-free diets and how challenging they can be for parents. And I think learning about the support that's out there for kids that do have food allergies and, and kind of putting their meal plans together and learning about food substitutions um, has been really, really interesting to me. Learning, you know, what tastes good, but is made with different ingredients. I also get to be part of this integrative medicine group that's at CHOP because I'm, I'm taking a kind of 80-hour course right now in integrative medicine and pediatrics. And that has been a really, really wonderful introduction to the anti-inflammatory diet, which is something I have been really interested in and love to talk to my patients about um, just the way that what we eat can change the bacteria inside of us, which change the inflammatory kind of chemicals in our body and and just the way that really what we can make a huge difference in our bodies. Um, and in pediatrics, the other really important thing is development and growth. And so 
kind of balancing some of these diets that we think are interesting and beneficial with the growth of the patient and making sure that we're not restricting them too much because kids are picky and you really need to give them some foods that they love because really the most important thing is that they get bigger and stronger and learn and their brains grow. Um, so that's just been a really kind of surprising and interesting process to work through with some of these patients is what's, where's the balance and where's kind of the right, the right spot for the family. Um, and I've really enjoyed that. Bridget, I hear that you're a mother as well. I am. How do you balance being a doctor, continuing education, being a wife and being a mother? I mean, that's a lot. Yeah. So I actually gave a talk today to the fellows, the current fellows about kind of self-care and wellness. It's something I think about so much because I think I have realized that balance is probably really hard to achieve. And so it might not be about balance, but it might be about paying really close attention to the moments that you have with your family. So Another thing I've gotten to do in my training, I've done a lot of mindfulness and meditation training at Brown. I got to do kind of a major called contemplative studies. And currently I'm taking this integrative medicine course. And I've, I've been really lucky that I've been able to do a lot of training and kind of mindfulness throughout all of my medical stuff. And so I think what I try to do now is really pay attention to the time that I'm with my kids and with my family and just try not to miss it because it's going by quickly. So I try to incorporate mindfulness into my time with them. I try to journal and write down little things about them so that I make sure I remember and I can look back later and tell myself, okay, I didn't miss it. Every day I wrote down something that they did so I remember it. And I I really do think that it's quality over quantity. So I may not be with them all the time, but when I'm with them, I'm really, really there with them. So that's kind of what I've been trying to focus on because that's a really, really hard part of this. But, you know, I feel that they know what I do and they're interested in it. And I think we've kind of struck a point that feels pretty good right now. There are days when I feel like, oh, I wish I were here more, but truly I love my job. And I know that me having a job that I love and I'm passionate about is a positive thing for them too. So you know, it's something I work through in my mind every day, truly, but great, great question. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of, you know, cherishing experiences, what are your most, the moments in your career that you're most proud of and really cherish? So the relationships with the kids and the parents, just, I have had the opportunity to work with some really amazing people. And, you know, just the other day we did a, a, a walk for CHOP and, my son, who is four and a half, got to meet one of my patients who's five. <laughs> and seeing them meet was just one of the greatest moments. They were both excited to meet each other. And the family was excited. We were all really happy to be together. And yeah, just just the relationships with the, with the kids and the relationships with the families. What a great doctor and a great mom. Seriously, <laughs> you know, it's just uh, heartwarming to hear those stories. And uh, it really brings back to what you did on the floor, getting full circle, right? Bringing people together, people with yeah. common interests and, and common experiences. Um, let's go to the RA piece. Do you stay connected with other RA alums? I know you mentioned a couple before, but this is a time for some other shout outs. Okay, awesome. So yeah, so 
Leah Gustad and I pretty much talk to each other every single day. She said that in the email um, she sent to nominate you. <laughs> and if there's a day that we don't get a text from each other, we're like checking in the next day, like, where are you? Um, I'm still in touch with Danielle Kurzner, who is another Weinstein RA. Jenny Pierce and Joe Zan were RAs. Katie Kreida. Those are the ones I talk to the most. Excellent. Great. Now we're going to jump into speed round, a chance for Kayla and I to ask you some questions about your time at NYU, your favorite tradition while you were here. The first thing that comes to mind is I feel like there was like a graduation party outside of Stern, like something around graduation where everyone got together and there were balloons and food. and Grad Alley. Grad Alley. That's what it's called. I loved Grad Alley. (laughs) Great event. Did you go abroad? I did not, and I wish I had. Um, Leah went to Italy, and I should have gone with her. Favorite NYU professor? Celia Gonzalez. She was actually a PhD in social psychology, and she kind of took me under her wing, and I got to work in her psychology lab, and she just totally introduced me to the world of science and research um and she's an amazing person and we became really good friends um because this is a defining aspect of the ra experience uh what's the best dining hall at nyu i loved going to reuben as a freshman because i lived in Brittany, where we didn't have a dining hall and we would go to reuben but i think that they don't have a dining hall anymore they don't which is so sad because i loved it there um, so I would have to say Palladium probably had <laughs> really amazing food. Any celebrity sightings while you were an NYU student? Definitely. Um, Janine Garofalo seemed to live in the neighborhood when I was at Brittany. We would see her all the time. We would see Chris Noth a lot too around Brittany. Um, and I also saw Carrie Russell, which was super exciting. Oh, nice. Um, finally, what's your most memorable RA experience? I think move-in day, my second year I just remember standing like on the steps outside of wine scene and just being so excited to be back with my RAs and to know that we were welcoming in a new group of students and to have had the first year of being an RA behind me and it was so amazing and knew that knowing that another amazing year was going to come I remember that day just being Really exciting, really fun, and really memorable. I can picture it right now. Yeah. All cheering as everybody was moving in or singing the songs yeah, and playing the music. The best. Weinstein has a special feel to it on that opening day. Every year I feel it, truly. I remember yeah. it myself you when I moved it, into there Weinstein. There you go. There you go. <laughs> awesome. Well, Bridget, thank you so much for spending time with Tom and I to discuss your journey and where your life after NYU has taken you. Thank you. As always, thanks to our listeners who can stay connected with RA alums who are living the alumni version life. Bridget, what a role model. Uh, You can hear it in your voice, how excited you are about all of the things that you do in your life. Uh, um, And so what a role model for all of us. Thank you again for bringing some of the memories back to me of seeing you at Weinstein and your colleagues. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Special thanks to our engineer, Duncan Lemieux, who's in Sydney right now editing all of these podcasts, and the current professional staff and the alums like Ryan Sylvester and Angie Bonilla. 
for really helping these RAs gain skill acquisition along their journey at NYU. If you like tonight's show, look for more content on the website. The RA Alumni website will be coming out in July, so look for it. And if you want to know RA's favorite books, I still read them. Go to whatthey'reading.blogspot.com. Until next time, remember how much it can make a difference. One smile, one thank you, one please, and one come over here. Participate in my community. Have a great night, everybody.